Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. Rest of the week, Reed will be back on Monday. The Toronto Blue Jays in action, and they're trying to uh, close the gap on the Seattle Mariners, who are up one game on the Jays for the third and final wildcard spot in the American League. Baltimore up one nothing. The game is in the bottom of the fifth inning. Austin Matthews, as we told you in the first hour or half hour of the show, signs a four-year extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a uh, $53 million to value, average annual value, $13.5 million. Deal will kick in in the 24-25 season, and that will make him the highest-paid player in the National Hockey League at Elks practice today. Didn't see Dean Faithful out on the field. Uh, injury report says uh, ankle injury. See if it's just maintenance or or not. But uh, Faithful hopefully will be ready to go for Sunday's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. A game where the Elks will try and win two in a row because they won their first game. And this man was a big reason why. Motion starts. Ford will take the drop. He wants to throw and he does going deep. Touchdown Edmonton is it Stephen Dunbar returning to Hamilton and he hauls that one in and the Elks Stephen Dunbar takes the first pie out of the oven. Ford in the pocket has some time now he scrambles to the right side throws there it is Dunbar has got a pair and the Elks increase their lead in Hamilton. Nice play by Trey Ford to roll to the right side and Dunbar was all by himself just inside the goal line. Four catches, 92 yards, two touchdowns, was the highest-rated receiver, according to Pro Football Focus, made the honor roll. And Stephen Dunbar Jr. joins us now on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed. How you guys doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, so tell me, after so many weeks of uh, coming off of a bad taste in your mouth, uh, what was it like today, after a few days off, mind you, uh, to come in with a win on, on, on uh, you know, on, on your heels there and uh, get ready for uh, hopefully another uh, game where you get a win? Yeah, man, it felt really good. I, mean, I think our team really needed that, needed that win, man. I think it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been putting in a lot of work, uh, and uh, it, it felt good, man, uh, to, to come out on the good side of it this time. And, you know, it wasn't an easy night, obviously, and with the weather delay, it was one hour and 47 minutes, and, um, you know, it didn't seem like the game was in jeopardy of being canceled because if it hit the three-hour mark, remarkably, that game would have been canceled and you would have walked away with one point. So with the Ticats, that wouldn't have been ideal, but there was a lot of adversity in that game, and uh, a team that has faced a lot of adversity this season found a way to overcome it. Yeah, man, I, I was I was really proud of our team when we responded to that to that adversity. You know, happened during that time, I thought we did a good job of staying focused and and not you know letting that kind of deviate our plans when we came in there. 
Um, and like I said, we responded well and was able to come out on the good side of it. Tell tell me how you were able to, and what was the message from the coaches during that during that break? Because I mean, football's about controlling what you can you can control, and you know you can't control the weather. So, what was the message from the coaching staff, and how did you get through it? Uh, I think you just you just you know make sure that we stay focused. It just kind of was the message throughout the time throughout our time to stay focused, to not let this uh, distract us or be something that we you know that we got you know kind of lost our focus or lost you know our, our mission. I was at. So I think the guys did a good job at just you know even minus the coaches, some of the leaders, the guys in the locker room just did a good job of talking to that guys. You know, going to whatever justice they talked about the game so we kind of stayed in it even though we was you know going through a long delay you know and and the win i think uh, the, the the theme of it for me is after so many moments in the game uh, in games previous games where you you felt you had a chance to win games where you know you came out in the second half and you know weren't as good and we'd see moments kind of you know crush a young team that you're able to kind of steady the ship and you're able to you know kind of get through that i mean what message does that send to the to especially the younger players on the team that uh, you know as far as stick sticking with it and not letting you know the tough moments uh, define the rest of the game yeah, man. Yeah, we did. Like, we did a good job. I think we just, you know, didn't have a lapse of a way that, you know, find a way to lose a game like that and turn over the ball and making critical mistakes. I think we did a good job of that throughout the, the second half and just allowing ourselves to, you know, to win a game without beating ourselves. Um, and I think that's, you know, what a good message for our team, the team was being such a young team. We just have to let those younger guys experience how to win a football game. Uh, I think we did a good job of that. You know, I'm sure it's driving you nuts. Oh, sorry, sorry, Stephen. Um, I'm sure it's driving you all crazy. Why, why can't we play as well in the third quarter like we do in the first 30 minutes of the game? Um, but you're able to tread water. And then, how did you get the game back in the fourth quarter? Um, like I said, I think we just like you know got got um, started kind of feeling ourselves losing it a little bit in the third. But like I said, we just didn't do nothing critical that would sway the momentum too much or put us put us in a bad position. I thought we did a good job of just kind of like you said, treading the water. And in the fourth quarter, we made the adjustments we needed to kind of refocus ourselves. And I think that was the difference in us, you know, coming away with the win. Stephen Dunbar Jr. joining us, the Elks receiver on 6:30 Chat Inside Sports. Elks getting ready for the. Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday, a game you can catch right here at 6.30, Chad. 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff with Brendan Escott and Blake Dermott. And Morley Scott and myself, along with David Bowles on the Elk sideline, who will be, who will be on the Elk sideline, will have the call at 5 o'clock. So your first game back in Hamilton, where you spent your first two seasons in the CFL, you get two touchdowns on your old stomping grounds. What was that night like for you? Now, I know, I know in football, it's the least sentimental of any sport I have covered because it's always such a hyper focus for you players but uh, what was it like to get uh, a couple touchdowns and have some success in uh, in the in the place where you started your CFL career it's so good man it's 
I got a, a lot of love for the Clemson organization. A couple of the guys on the team, so we can't really close. Uh, so I got a lot of love for. It was good for Pete to get some, uh, and, and, and then uh, you know come on and you know do some damage. What what was special about the playing in Hamilton in the city and, and the fan base? Because it is a, you know, when when things are going really well in Hamilton, boy, that that's a great place to go watch a game and go play. Yeah, yeah, the atmosphere, the atmosphere there is great. The fan base there is great, and I just got a lot of love. They gave me an opportunity to continue to play ball, so I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, and like I said, man, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great place to play, man. Really electric, especially when when things are going well up there. Uh, the fans really show up. Okay, so you've played two games with Trey Ford as your starting quarterback. Also, two games with Jarius Jackson, who uh, you're obviously familiar with, but now he's the offensive coordinator and he's calling the plays. So what's the main difference with the offense that seems to make you guys stand a little bit taller over the last two games? Because I think that's what we're seeing is uh, you know, a much more confident offense. But what are you seeing? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I think you got a lot, a lot more confidence. So they're getting a lot of guys back off of the injury list. Uh, so it's making our offense, you know, really dynamic. Our personnel, be able to, you know, put different groups of personnel like that and make it really hard on the defense to, to, to guard us. Um, Trey has a different, uh, uh, gives a different aspect to the game as well by him being so mobile and able to run the ball. Uh, and he's been throwing the ball great too. So I think, uh, you know, man, we kind of just started to kind of find identity and, and see the things that we're good at. And um, I'm excited to see us see us go, man. I'm excited to see us go. Can you can you tell early on in a young quarterback's career that he's kind of got that it factor? And does Trey have that it factor to you, or, as far as you're concerned? Yeah, man. Like I, uh, a couple of plays that he made. Uh, you know, in the game yesterday, I mean, I'm sorry, last, last, you know, this past week, uh, he made a couple of plays where I was like, man, this guy, this guy can really go. I got a lot of confidence in him. And I think as the weeks go by, he's gaining confidence in himself. I think our coaching staff is gaining confidence in him. Uh, so it's like I said, it's going to be fun to, to watch him kind of sprout and grow as a player. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Stephen Dunbar, Jr., Elks receiver, joining us here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. And, uh, you know, we, we've talk we talk a lot about in, in this sport after a tough loss uh, or any loss you just got to flush it and move on um, with the win is that the same sort of uh, formula as well although do you have to find ways to build off that win yeah, yeah we definitely got to find ways to build off that win uh, definitely go back and continue to learn from our mistakes continue to learn from areas that we can get better at continue to experiment on ways that we can be creating and get different guys to ball and put guys in positions to do what they do well. Uh, so it's always, always a tremendous cycle of just trying to get better and try to, you know, perfect what it is that you do well and get better at the things that you don't do well. Um, just, you know, getting everybody kind of going in the same direction as well, the team as a whole. So, um, yeah, man, I think we're starting to figure that out as a team. And it's exciting, man. I'm happy for it. All right, Stephen, another day of practice tomorrow, game on Sunday. Uh, as I call it, it's an opportunity for you and the rest of your team to give yourself another opportunity and be relevant in the uh, both in the playoff race and also just grow as a team. So all the best rest of the week in practice, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stephen Dunbar, who was the uh, number one rated receiver for uh, Pro Football Focus on their uh, weekly honor roll with the CFL, four catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, speaking of PFF, uh, we're going to be joined by Bryson Vestnaver uh, coming up at 7.05. He uh, is an analyst for the CFL, does a lot of the grading and kind of take you kind of inside the numbers a little bit. And they've had a little bit of... uh, I don't want to call it controversy, but criticism. You know, the Montreal Alouettes offensive line, for example, they were they've been rated number one for much of the season, even though you know they are giving up a lot of sacks. But uh, that kind of shows you not always the sacks are not always on the offensive line, and just take you inside the Elks numbers as well. And why are they performing better with Trey Ford? Why is the offensive line performing better? Is the defense, you know, even though they're getting 14 sacks in three games, is there still a concern there? I had a chance also earlier today to uh, talk to one Eugene Lewis who got back into the lineup and uh, had a couple of catches. Could have had a third one. That was a big one. But uh, talking about uh, getting a first win of the season. Yeah, you know, that's the main goal, man. This, this is hard to get wins in this league, man. And, and you know, when you get one, you got to cherish it. You got to be grateful. But we just got to, you know what I'm saying, one win is one win. We got to move on to the next next game, and it's a one-game season from here on out. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk about flushing losses, but tell me about the process of flushing a win. You got to just keep the, the positive things that you did in that game, you know, understand the things that you did wrong, fix them, and uh, just build on that. You just got to keep building on the wins to keep continuing to get more. Seeing how Trey Ford operated out there on the field and seeing the play-calling aspect from Jerry Jackson, now that you got to finally be in a game, uh, what's your best, uh, I guess, description of this offense now? I mean, we won, so first things first, I mean, something, something's better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, my thing is, as long as we're winning, and it's, then that means something, we're getting progress mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, they're trying to make Trey back there comfortable as much as he possibly can, not put too much on his plate, and so he can just go out there and make plays, you know, without thinking too much, and uh, I think that's what they're doing. Are you seeing the potential and the progression in Trey? Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Every time, he, each game he's playing now, man, he's getting better and better each week, and uh, he just has to continue to keep growing. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? He's young, um, and, you know, he still has ways to learn, but, you know, right now he's doing good yeah. continue to just build around him uh just just keep his confidence up and just keep making the plays for him when he th- gives us throws us the ball and how'd you feel you did in your first game back i know there's one play you want to have back but yeah for sure you know yeah i definitely had a drop and you know uh, i just try to make the opportunities i can when the, when the ball comes my way so uh that's that's just what i do that's what i've been doing my whole career and uh you know that's what i'm gonna continue to keep doing well, Ottawa coming up, and I, I call it an opportunity to give yourselves another opportunity. I mean, you can really be in the playoff discussion if you get another win here. Yeah, man, it's all about one-game season now. Each, each game is critical, important, and, uh, you know, we just got to take it one at a time. And uh, that's our main focus is Ottawa right now, and we got to do everything we can in these practices to put ourselves in the best situation to be successful. You know, the playoff chase is one thing, but but progressing as a good football team, too. Uh, that seems to be very important as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just about getting hot at the right time. Um, I think it's about everybody being in sync, coming together, and, uh, you know, just putting your all out on that, on that game, on that field. You know what I'm saying? As long as I know everybody putting their all out on that field and I know you gave everything, you know, I'll live with the results. That's Eugene Lewis, who had a quiet game. Would have been a much louder game if he caught that uh, 
45 yard pass or thereabouts uh, from Trey Ford. Beautiful ball, too. I mean, it was right in the bucket, and Gino just dropped it. And I sensed a little bit of a, you know, Gino didn't seem all that thrilled today. And I don't think it was the best practice for, uh, for one. But uh, you wonder if that play just kind of stayed with him. Uh, one thing Gina Lewis uh, is doing as well as he and Manny Arsenal were at the Edmonton Food Bank uh, yesterday. It's Tackle Hunger Night as well on Sunday, bringing uh, a non-perishable food item or cash donations all gates. So uh, big, important, uh, critical uh, fundraiser for the Edmonton Food Bank. So, uh, yeah, bring your non-perishable food items, cash donation as well uh, to uh, the game on Sunday. Elks and Red Blacks. Uh, Chris Jones on the first day back after a few days off. It looked like the first day back after a few days off. That's what it, you know, yeah. I mean, wasn't, uh, I mean, the energy was there, but certainly the execution level, especially on the defensive side of the football, wasn't there. And he also mentioned uh, or talked about throwing deep on two third down situations. The third and three to Eugene Lewis, and I believe it was a third and four or five on the first drive of the game or first drive of the second half. Uh, that that ball was dropped by Dylan Mitchell. And, you know, a bit of a tougher throw or tougher catch for Mitchell because he was, uh, he was uh, hit almost at the point that the ball came in, although the ball was in his hands as well and also thought there might have been a headshot on that play. But anyway, so why throw on those situations instead of punting, bring out Jake Julian and punt? We were in that situation to where we you know, were debating whether you punt it, and then if you punt it, uh, if it rolls in the end zone, you've, you've had a three-yard punt for a point. So that was right on that fringe area both times, and that's, that's essentially what it was. And, you know, we have confidence that, uh, that our guys can go out and complete a three-yard pass. Well, I, I think, think they do in the NFL uh, a little yeah, bit. More, I right? think, you know, like I say, I mean, the penalty for the ball rolling into the end zone, you know, you do get a point, but the ball comes all the way out to the four or 40. And so it's a, analytically it says it's a two-point disadvantage. So interesting uh, thought. And Chris Jones, of course, believes in analytics. And you heard the explanation that, okay, so we get we get the single point. Okay, they get the 40-yard line. Analytically, we're giving up a couple points. So just throw it deep. They're going to start there anyway. So let our defense hold and hope for the best. This portion of the show brought to you by Cougar Payton Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Now, 2-0 Baltimore Orioles over the Toronto Blue Jays in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, the Jays actually gained a half game on the Mariners earlier today because the Mariners lost 5-4 to the Chicago White Sox in 10 innings. So, Jays with a chance to tie the Mariners for that third and final wildcard spot. But... Uh, they got a win to do that, and they're down 2 nothing as I mentioned. Uh, bottom of the six, there are two out. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the number. You can text. Uh, there's lots to talk about. Elks, uh, Austin Matthews contract, how that affects the Oilers with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And uh, a legend in the world of pro wrestling passed away as well. 
Kellen, uh, mm-hmm. do tell the sad news. Yeah, uh, found out actually late this afternoon before rolling out to come here that uh, legendary wrestler Terry Funk passed away uh, earlier today. And uh, yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of people around this part of uh, uh, the world that uh, recognize him. His brother Dory, of course, uh, from Stampede Wrestling and and that stuff from the 70s. Uh, Terry Funk, a former National Wrestling Alliance NWA champion, uh, one of the founding fathers of uh, Paul Heyman's Extreme Championship Wrestling as well in the 90s. Very influential figure and uh, uh, also uh, one of the most memorable Hollywood cameos of any action movie ever in the 1980s as he starred opposite Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse as well. So that's yes. one, of the, one of the baddies in Roadhouse. So there we go. A uh, lot of legendary feuds. Uh, you know, thinking about Ric Flair, he had a a few matches and some really, um, let's just say, um, don't watch with your children um, mm-hmm. kind of matches. Yeah, the, the feud in Japan with Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, yes. is probably one of his top ten, maybe top five works of art, as well as the feud with Ric Flair, where the very first time ever on a national scale, they used a table in a match. That's right. That's right. Back in 1989, so. And uh, we can tell a story a little bit later about the uh, infamous Hell in a Cell match with yes. uh, Mick Foley and Undertaker, where Terry Funk had to relay some information to the to the Undertaker in a very unique way about the condition of Mick Foley not to break kayfabe. Mm-hmm. So we'll tell that story uh, likely after 7:30. Uh, well, we will tell it after 7:30. So what about the world of football analytics? CFL contributor for Pro Football Focus, Bryson uh, Vesnaver will join us. Also, he'll tell us about his ultimate Frisbee exploits as well. Hmm. That's coming up in hour two.